Ezekiel and the 18th chapter, the book of Ezekiel and the 18th chapter, and I want to begin reading at the 20th verse, Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. Praise the Lord. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 20. And uh, I just, it feels good in the house of the Lord. We're in the middle of a great campaign uh, over the next 36 months. God blessed us, ladies and gentlemen, uh, with a record offering, a record one-time offering. $340,000 came in last Sunday for our new campus. Amen. We give God all praise and glory. Thank you, Jesus. And we have begun the giving season and already the miracles that are being reported. Uh, we will be sharing many of those as the campaign unfolds. But, but already people's lives are already being uh, touched and blessed because faith has been released. Last Sunday we couldn't even get the preacher on the floor. Uh, you know the scripture describes a time in the Old Testament where that the priests, the scripture says, could not stand to minister because the glory cloud filled the, the, the tabernacle. And that's what happened last Sunday. As faith was released, the power of God was released, and the glory cloud came on in. We couldn't even get the preacher on the floor. And, uh, and that is very rare that that happens, but it does happen occasionally. And when the Lord steps in and moves in, we just say, it's your church, Lord. This is your church, Lord. You do what you want to do. Amen. And we give God the praise for it. And I, and I want to thank all of you again for your commitment and your faithfulness, your obedience to God. I'm, I'm humbled, I'm grateful, and honored to be able to be the pastor at Tree of Life Church. There's no place in the world I'd rather preach than right here in this pulpit to this precious uh, congregation. I love you and your families, and I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do uh, for this great congregation. Amen. Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 20. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father. Neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. But if the wicked will turn from all his sins that he hath committed, and keep all my statutes, and do that which is lawful and right, he shall surely live. He shall not die. All his transgressions that he hath committed, they shall not be mentioned unto him. In his righteousness that he hath done, he shall live. Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die, saith the Lord God, and not that he should return from his ways and live? But when the righteous turneth away from his righteousness and committeth iniquity and doeth according to all the abominations that the wicked man doeth, shall he live? All his righteousness that he hath done shall not be mentioned. In his trespass that he hath trespassed, and in his sin that he hath sinned, in them shall he die. Yet ye say, the way of the Lord is not equal. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal? Are not your ways unequal? When a righteous man turneth away from his righteousness, and committeth iniquity, and dieth in them, for his iniquity that he hath done, shall he die. Again, when the wicked man turneth away from his wickedness that he hath committed and doeth that which is lawful and right, he shall save his soul alive. Because he considereth and turneth away from all his transgressions that he hath committed, he shall surely live, he shall not die. By the help of the Holy Ghost, by the grace of our God, I would like to preach to you on the subject, the equity 
of the Lord. The equity of the Lord. Could we go to the Lord together in prayer at this time? Lord, I thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy, because it is of your mercies that we are not consumed. I pray today, O oh God, that you would move upon this congregation of believers. We have gathered here today, Lord, in like precious faith, seeking your face. I pray, Lord, that your word would go forth and not return void. I pray an anointing upon your messenger and upon your people as your word goes forth. Let us get a hold of it. Let us love it. Let us live it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated, except for anyone who has served in the United States Armed Forces in any capacity. If we could have all of our veterans to stand. Look at this. Look at this. Ladies and gentlemen, my goodness. Amen. God bless you. Amen. I think that deserves a standing ovation. This is fabulous. This is fantastic. God bless each and every one of you. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and thank you to all of our veterans for your service. And uh, the sacrifices made uh, by these folks that, that they've sacrificed through the years uh, have been, have been uh, many and uh, and of course, on Memorial Day weekend, we take time to observe those who, who lost their lives and in combat and service to our country. And uh, it, is, it, is, it is absolutely remarkable when you consider the amount of lives that have gone into battle and have been lost in service to our country. And I know that the United States has a lot of challenges even yet. Uh, but ladies and gentlemen, even with our greatest challenges, we are one blessed nation of God. And the, the remarkable uh, fact that we are able to stand here right now and we can sing as loud as we want to sing and praise Him as much as we want to praise Him. We don't have to worry about a secret police trying to shut us down. We are free to assemble and worship our God. And we ought to thank Him every day for that. And we ought to thank those who sacrificed that we could have those freedoms. And we thank each and every one of you. And uh, today we're talking about the equity of the Lord. By equity, I am referring to the fairness of God, to the impartiality of God. God has a way of, of practicing justness. Justness. And He has a way of of balancing the scales if you please he knows what is right his ways are true his path is clean the fear of the Lord is clean enduring forever the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul the testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple God understands what is right and what is not right. He understands what is righteous and what is unrighteous. We spend our years trying to understand from the Lord what is the difference between the holy and the profane. His word is our guide to understand the ways of righteousness 
and the ways of unrighteousness. We have to recognize that God is true and every man is a liar. There is no man that can speak in contradiction to God and come out on top. If God says it, that absolutely settles it. And he is a faithful God. He is a just God. He is a righteous God. Amen. You may not agree with him all the time, but his ways are above your ways. And his thoughts are above yours and my thoughts. He has a highway called holiness. There is a, an understanding that God as creator has that you and I cannot fathom or understand. This is where we seek understanding. We're admonished with all of our getting to get understanding. But, but when we don't quite have an understanding of a thing, we trust the Lord. We trust his wisdom. We trust that he has all things in control, that he has an understanding of how things should be. And we know that all things work together for the good to them who love God and are the called according to his purpose. We simply trust our lives to the Lord. And we say, God, I'm going to give you my heart and my soul and my mind and my body. And I'm going to give all of myself to you and trust you that you will take good care of me. No matter what comes my way, I lift my hands and say, hallelujah, anyhow. Hallelujah, anyhow. God is a righteous God. He has equity. He is fair. He is just. Life is not fair. But God is just. I want to say that again. Life is not fair, but God is just. Life is something that we experience, and, and the life on this earth is, is intertwined with the cursed nature of this world. And so we bump up against that curse every time we turn around. We can see the workings of, of man's fall in our own bodies in our own relationships, in our own thinking, in, in, in the fact that we can sow and then bring forth thorns and thistles, work hard and not necessarily get back what we anticipated. And, and this is because of a cursed world. But I want you to know that the Lord has made a way of escape for you and I from the cursed nature of this world. Now the Bible tells us that there are scoffers who go about and mock the Lord they scoff about his soon coming for instance and they will mock saying where is the promise of his coming and the Bible tells us that they will come and they have been here uh, throughout the generations scoffers who scoff the ways of the Lord who scoff the things of God and we live of course in a world where uh, people do not endure sound doctrine. We live in a world where people heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We live in a world where people have become truce breakers, where they have become uh, unruly and disobedient to parents, the Apostle Paul uh, told us. And, and this is the world 
in which we live, a, a, a world where husbands do not love their wives as they ought to love their wives. And women and wives do not love their husbands as they ought to love their husbands. And it's, it's societal uh, breakdown occurs all around us. And people's lives are jeopardized as a result. And, and that's in this nation. And then, of course, you go beyond this nation and you, you see it throughout the world. But the, the scripture tells us that the scoffers look at the plight of the world and, and want to point, at the finger of, uh, point their finger at God and say that somehow God is not a righteous God or a fair God or a good God. But the Lord challenges that through the prophet of Ezekiel, prophet Ezekiel in the, the 18th chapter of his book. He confronts a parable, a, a, a proverb in Israel. A proverb that had made its way through generations to the point that it had become conventional wisdom. And you got to be careful with conventional wisdom. Uh, conventional wisdom uh, has its place. But if conventional wisdom tries to counter godly wisdom, conventional wisdom has to go. Because the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the sight of God. Hallelujah. And the wisdom of God is foolishness to this world. And this was a conventional wisdom that had set its foundation in the thinking of Israel. And it's found in the second verse of Ezekiel 18. What mean ye, he said, that you use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes? And the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, saith the Lord God, you shall not have occasion anymore to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just, and do that which is lawful and right. Hallelujah. He goes on to say, he shall live. Now I want you to understand what, what the Lord is telling the children of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. He said, you've got, this, you've got this proverb that you have accepted as truth. And it's a proverb that said, if the father eats sour grapes, then the children's teeth are set on edge. It was a way for Israel to say, that the problems I have in my life are from the sins that my father committed. And the Lord is holding me accountable to something that my father or my grandfather or my great-grandfather has done. And because the Lord is holding me accountable to those things, there's no way that I can ever break free from this cycle. And the Lord challenges that proverb and said, this has become conventional wisdom among you. There is a proverb in Israel that said, if the fathers made a mistake, then the children are going to pay for it forever. But I want you to know that all souls are mine. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. The wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him in other words if you're wicked 
then your wickedness will be upon you. If you're righteous, then your righteousness will be upon you. But, but, but if your father was wicked, you can still be righteous. And, and, and the contrary is true. If your father was righteous, then you, as a matter of fact, could still become wicked. And so the Lord is telling Israel to, to, to part ways with this proverb. To depart from this thinking that somehow I am stuck in a cycle that I cannot break free from. It's a conventional wisdom even to this day. People who feel that they are bound by generations of failure or generations of a particular sin. I want you to know that in this world, that can be true. But I'm speaking about a God who operates high above this world. I'm talking about a God who has power to break chains that you and I don't even know need to be broken. I'm talking about a God who can shake a jailhouse at its very foundation. He can go to the root of whatever caused the problem you're facing. And he can shake that thing at its very foundation and break open the jail cell door and unlock the bars that hold you in bondage and can break off the chains that bind your hands and your feet. Doesn't matter what your fathers did or did not do. You can have a personal relationship with God. I had a friend who told me as we were, as we were uh, sharing information with one another, just talking about our families, and he described his uncle, showed me pictures. He said, this is my uncle. He he did time for, and he named the crime. And he said, this is my cousin. And he did time, he named the crime. He said, this is my grandfather and my great-grandfather. And, and then this is my other uncle. He's, he's getting out. And, and he began to describe this, this scenario where everyone in his family had either been incarcerated or were incarcerated. And, and, and knowing my background, being from a family of preachers, he, he chuckled and looked at me and said, I guess, I guess I'm destined to go to prison, and you're destined to be a preacher. And that, that was so sobering to me, because as I heard him say it, something, the Holy Ghost rose up inside of me and said, it's not true. You're not destined to be a prisoner. You're not tied to the sins of your father. And I, I, it was years later that I walked into the, into the county jail to preach as a part of our prison ministry and, and incarceration ministry. And I walked in to preach and I walked in in my preacher clothes and, and here came my friend in his, in his jail clothes. And, and I, when I shook his hand and hugged his neck, I, I, I thought back to that conversation that it came to pass just as he believed it would come to pass. I've come in the name of the Lord to confront that false thinking in somebody's heart. Come on, somebody. It does not matter the sins of your 
ancestors, the sins of your father or your mother. That was their life and that was their situation. But you have a new day that has dawned upon you. This is the day that the Lord has made. And we've got a decision on how we embrace it. I'll tell you how I've decided to treat this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad in it. I said this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I will be glad in this day. Not going to rely on yesterday's victories, and I'm not going to be discouraged by yesterday's mistakes. I'm not going to be bound by yesterday's failures, and I'm not going to be propped up by yesterday's successes. This is a new day. His mercies are new every morning. His compassion fails not. Oh, hallelujah. Something we have to understand about sin, okay? We, we've got to understand this, and I'll, I'll preach this until I have no more breath to preach it. Sin is a killer. Sin is not your friend. It doesn't matter what, what, what kind of a presentation it comes in. It is not your friend. Do not give in to sin. Don't let sin have its way in your life. You flee from sin. Run from sin. Get down on your knees and pray to God that he give you victory over sin. When the scripture teaches us how to pray, it tells us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You need to pray that every day, ladies and gentlemen. God, give me victory over my adversary. Give me victory over the sin that would try to come against me I don't want to have any part with sin in my life you understand ladies and gentlemen as that temptation comes to you and begins to try to lure you into its snare you remember that 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 moment that you're about to to give into is going to cost you something so precious and so beautiful in your life it's going to cost you some of the most precious things you have in your life you don't even know to appreciate those things right now you've grown frustrated with them but 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 they will be taken from you and you won't know what you had until it's gone sin is a vice sin is a devil sin is a killer sin is a thief sin has come to destroy your life I want you to get that if you are raised in this tree of life church I want you to to hear for the remainder of your life young people and children hear the voice of your pastor tell you that the wages of sin is death sin is not something to play with sin is not something to fool around with don't think you can just walk up to it and entertain it for a while and then walk away when you're good and ready that's not how it works you're lured into a swamp like spiritual terrifying horrifying life experience and it'll wrap its chains around you and wrap its bars around you and you'll end up imprisoned in ways you can't imagine emotional prisons and mental prisons and spiritual prisons and I speak to you in the name of the Lord in Jesus name pleading for your soul I want to be that watchman on the wall that says don't listen to Hollywood don't listen to your pop culture don't listen to your favorite cultural icon you listen to the word of the Lord 
Walk in his ways. Walk in his paths. Because when all of that has passed away and when all of that has gone the way of the dust of the ground, this word will stand when the world is on fire. Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Know ye not that the righteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. There's a lot of deception going on. There's a lot of deception going on. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators. What do you mean neither fornicators? It's saying fornicators shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Idolaters shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Adulterers shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Effeminate shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Abusers of themselves with mankind cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That's homosexuality. Thieves cannot inherit the kingdom of God. The covetous cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Drunkards cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Revilers cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Extortion cannot inherit the kingdom of God. This is not hate speech. This is love speech. I am saying this as warning. Not I get no glee from preaching this kind of a message. But I have to make it clear, abundantly clear, so that when I stand before God, I can say to my judge, I told them. I did. I told them. I spoke it. I spoke it loud and I spoke it clear. I said it. I, I did what you told me to do. That's what the Bible says. Let's go to the book of Galatians and look at what the word of the Lord says. We have to understand if you're going to be wicked, that wickedness is upon you. You can't go before God in judgment and blame it on your father or your grandfather or your great-grandfather. That wickedness is on you. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred and variance, emulations and wrath, strife and seditions and heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings and such like of the which I tell you before as I have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the word of the Lord. That's the word of the Lord. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's, it's not some religious, it's not some religious construct. It's not some kind of a pharisaical or, or, or council that has put this together. This is the word of the Lord. But, but, but I've not just come to preach to you what can keep you out of heaven. I've come to preach to you how you can get to heaven. Because in the same verse that says, for the wages of sin is death. The very next word is this little conjunction, B-U-T. For the wages of sin is death, but... And I, I love that word because that word simply means I'm going to now present something to you that is contrary. It's an alternative to what I just told you. So the wages of sin is death, but there is an alternative. 
the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Now let's read it again. But this time we're going to add the conjunction. The works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelings. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But, oh hallelujah. But there is an alternative. But there is an alternative. You hear what I said? Such were some of you. But now you are sanctified. Now you are washed. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The word of the Lord says that the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. And the righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him. He said wickedness will take you straight into damnation. But, but if the wicked consider his way and turn from his wickedness. I'm going to say this again. If the wicked, if you found yourself listed in any of these descriptions that the scriptures gave us, and if you're honest, you'll know and be, and be truthful and say that somewhere in that list, you heard yourself being called out. Maybe it was in a previous life before coming to the Lord. But you heard things you've done in your life. And you heard yourself mentioned in those lists describing those who shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But if the wicked consider and turn unto the Lord and repent... From his or her evil doing. Hallelujah. The righteousness of God will come upon them. And their wickedness shall not be mentioned unto them. Oh, Lord have mercy. Could you just look around real quick. Just look around this building right now. Just, just do it real quick. Look around. Look at the folks in front of you, behind you. If you see anybody... Who's perfect? You've been deceived. You can look this way too. Go ahead, look this way too. Because there's not one of us in this building who is perfect except for the one we're worshiping and the one we're praising and the one we're exalting. 
You know what gives folks their shout? You know what gives folks their dance? You know what gives folks their hand clapping? What puts a dancing in their feet is because such were some of them, but they're sanctified, they're washed, they're justified. They were the wicked ones who turned from their wicked ways. They were the wicked ones who departed from their wicked ways. Oh, hallelujah. You better know that God hates sin. And he hates sin, ladies and gentlemen, not because he's a hater. He hates sin because he loves you. Sin separates you from God. So God hates the sin that separates you from him. He hates the sin in your life because he loves you and wants relationship with you. God's not a hater, but he does hate sin. He wants to have reconciliation with you. So you hear what I'm saying? It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, how far you've gone, how low you've fallen, how far you've drifted. If you'll turn from your wicked ways, there is a God in heaven. I said there is a God in heaven. There is a God in heaven who will hear your cry and who will forgive your sin. This is the equity of the Lord. He's fair. He's fair. If somebody will truly call out to him and say, God, I need you. Help me, Lord, to turn from my sin. Help me. Cry unto the Lord. Don't die in your sin. Don't die in your wickedness. But call out unto the Lord. And this is what my Bible says to me. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And he is just. Oh, hallelujah. He is faithful. And he is just to forgive us our sins. That's That word confess, it's more than just, yeah, I sinned, so what about it? It's not what it is. See, a lot of people don't even know they've sinned. A lot of people don't believe they've sinned. A lot of people can hear a preacher preach a message like this and walk away saying that preacher's crazy. He, doesn't, he belongs in 1920-something. He doesn't belong in 2018. He's, he's too old-fashioned. And you can walk out of here and believe that the Word of God is some kind of an antiquated piece of literature that no longer applies to you. This Word has outlived every one of its critics. Everybody who tried to banish this or burn this is in their grave. But this is wide open on this desk, still speaking, still declaring, still propagating. Hallelujah. Still proclaiming in the name of Jesus. Don't go against this book. You're on the wrong side. You're not just on the wrong side of history. You're on the wrong side of eternity. If you go against this book, this book is right. Its ways are right. Its prescription for life is pure. Its prescription for life is true. It'll teach you everything you need to know about living. It'll teach you, ladies and gentlemen, how to live your life. It'll teach you all about marriage. It'll teach you all about raising kids. It'll teach you all about how to treat your parents. It'll teach you how to manage your money. It'll teach you how to eat. It'll teach you what to drink, what not to drink. It'll teach you, ladies and gentlemen, 
them and how to dress. It'll teach you how to treat your neighbor. It'll teach you how to treat your employees, how to treat your employer. You hear what I'm saying? This is a life book. This is a book of life. This thing will take you from cradle to grave and on into glory if you let it. But if you're going to spend your life resisting this book, you hear what I'm telling you. The way of the transgressor is hard. you got a hard life in front of you. You've got a hard life in front of you. At some point, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. I choose to do it now. Lord, you are my God. You are my king. You are my savior. I don't want him to have to humble me. When I, when I have an opinion that's contrary to this book, Lord, I repent. When I have a conjecture that's contrary to this book, Lord, I repent. When I have a lifestyle that's contrary to this book, Lord, I repent. When I'm acting in a way that's contrary to this book, Lord, I repent. And God said, if you'll do that, it will literally reverse the sentence that is hanging over your head. The sentence of death and eternal damnation that is hanging over your head will be shifted. Oh, hallelujah. Reversed. The God of glory, the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the judge, the high priest, the great I am, will reverse that sentence that's hanging over your head. Right now, wickedness is upon the wicked. But, oh, hallelujah, if the wicked consider their way and repent from their wickedness, that means stop it. That doesn't mean cry and act like you feel sorry for it. A lot of people feel sorry for the sin they've done and are doing. A lot of people come up and cry over the sin that they're doing. But repentance, you can actually repent without crying. Better if you do. But you can actually repent simply by saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I'm turning from my sins in the name of Jesus. And you can walk and go in a different direction. And the friends that try to pull you back into it say, no, you're going somewhere I'm not going. I'm going in a new direction. And the habits and the lifestyle you used to be a part of, no, that's all going in a wrong direction. That is all tending and trending to death. And I am tending and trending to life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If the wicked, oh, hallelujah, will depart. Does anybody remember departing from wickedness? Is there anybody in this house? I wonder if you can just give a, 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 a maybe a thank you, Jesus. I got to hear that again. If you've ever departed from wickedness and you remember the day that the revelation came on you, that you could stop the direction you were going and you could walk in a new direction, could you give him a little thank you, Jesus?
Could you give him a little hallelujah? Could you give him a little God is good? Can you give him a little God? I love you. I love you. No wonder you shout. No wonder you dance. No wonder you clap. No wonder you sing under the Lord a new song. God has been good to you. Let me, let me just, let me just remind, let me just remind you real quick. He didn't have to do it, but he did. Did you forget that? He didn't have to do it, but he did. Who's going to call him in on the carpet if he didn't forgive? If he didn't show mercy? Who's going to hold him accountable? He did it because he's a good God. He's a just God. He's a God of equity. Uh, he will he will come down to where you are he he followed you he followed you when you weren't following him he was following you he was waiting for you it was his it was his holy spirit that whisked by you when you were in places you knew you didn't belong And a little conviction came on you as you thought, I shouldn't be here. That was the Lord saying, come home. Come home. What a good God. He, he, you know, it's easy to say Jesus loves you. But when you stop and consider that he knows everything about you. Every, every, everything. Everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you wanted to do, everything you wanted to say, everything you thought. He knows why you thought it. He knows everything about you. Now. Now when you say, Jesus loves you. That means something, ladies and gentlemen. Because what he knows about you doesn't change the fact that he loves you. What he knows about the deepest, deepest recesses of your mind and heart and soul, it hasn't changed the fact that he wants to save you. He wants to live with you for all of eternity. He wants to wash you and justify you and sanctify you and cleanse you. What a mighty God we serve. What a mighty God we serve. So understand this verse. Sin is a killer. It'll take you to hell. Period. It just is and it does. But understand this. If the wicked depart, they can be saved. If the wicked depart from their wickedness, they shall not die but shall live. And if I'm going to be an honest preacher then I have to continue in this message and tell you that the same is true for the righteous. That if the righteous depart from righteousness, then they can die in their wickedness. And just as the wicked man's wickedness will not be mentioned in judgment if he turn to righteousness, the righteous man's righteousness will not be mentioned in judgment If he turns to wickedness. 
Oh, I can't imagine it, Pastor. Anybody ever turning their back on God? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. You know how you can imagine it? Because every single one of us have had that ungodly adversary of ours get up in our face and try to make us feel so offended that we would leave God. To point out the flaws of our, of our friends and brothers and sisters. and Point out the mistreatment that we've received here. And, and how we were overlooked there. And how, how we were neglected here. And how nobody remembered us there. And you get us so distracted. And, and you've been forgiven of your sins. And you've been walking a narrow way. And you've been serving God and loving God and living for God. And next thing you know, you're on the verge of opening the door and walking back out into the world God saved you from. Because the devil is tempting the righteous to step back into wickedness. Don't you go there, friend. Don't go back to where God brought you out of. The Lord said it's like a dog returning to its vomit. It's like a pig returning to wallow in the mire. Don't you backslide. Don't you throw in the towel. Listen, you can't offend me out of the body of Christ. You can't backbite me out of the body of Christ. You can't spread a rumor about me that'll make me leave the body of Christ I'm in the church I said I'm in the church God help me I'm in the church for good if I start to feel offended if I start to feel my spirit begin to, to, to show the weakness of feeling offense and I start to, to go into prayerlessness and I start to drift into unforgiveness and you don't think bitterness will do it to you don't you play around with bitterness don't play around with bitterness the Bible says that the root of bitterness will defile many the root of bitterness can take a stalwart saint and turn them into a corrupted Sinner. The root of bitterness can take somebody who once praised God, praised God with uplifted hands and turn them into somebody who wouldn't darken the door of a church. That's what the root of bitterness can do to somebody. The root of bitterness gets down deep in somebody's soul. You start entertaining thoughts of nobody loves me. You start entertaining thoughts of nobody cares. You start entertaining thoughts of it's not fair. It's, and you start getting these, you start developing these proverbs like Israel had. Like the fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Some unfairness has happened in my life and what I'm experiencing is the product of somebody else's doings and before you know bitterness is raging in you and you fall into a pit you never dreamed you could be a part of yeah, the wicked can turn to righteousness but God forbid the righteous and I've seen them do it I've seen them do it can turn to wickedness oh God help us wherever you are if you're in a lifestyle that you know you need to walk out of. A lifestyle of unforgiveness. A lifestyle of, of envy. A lifestyle of lust. Whatever it may be. And you need to walk away from it. You can. Today. This is the day the Lord has made. You can confess. That word confess actually means covenant. And when we're baptized in Jesus name. We're stepping into a new covenant with God. He can wash your sins away.
I don't know who lied to you and told you that you were too far gone. I don't know who lied and told you you were fine just where you are, that you don't need to obey the scriptures. I don't know who lied to you and told you that. It might be your favorite loved one. And, and God love them, God love them, God love them. But I've come to tell you that the word of God takes precedence over the voice of any or everyone in your life. Confess. Come into covenant with God. And turn from your wickedness. Or if you be that righteous, that one who has been sanctified, justified, called out, blessed, filled with the Spirit. But you've been hurt, wounded. And you feel yourself drifting into a place you never dreamed you'd go back to. Could you receive this life preserver being thrown out to you in the name of the Lord? Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. He's a faithful God. He's a just God. He wants to forgive you. He wants to wash you, justify you, sanctify you. Pastor, this is good for everybody else, but you don't know where I've been and what I've done. You know, God is just fair, and you may not even think he's fair, but he knows what's fair, and he's fair. He's an equitable God. He's an impartial God. I remember a man that my grandfather was a friend to in Indianapolis when he pastored in Calvary Tabernacle. This man was a businessman in town, and they, they uh, were friends, and they served on committees together and, and uh, would play racquetball together. And this businessman would, would tease my grandfather and say, Reverend, I'm going to be your biggest failure. Because I'm one soul, you'll never convert. And Grandpa would say, you never know, Ben. You never know. I could see you. I could see you serving God. Oh, yeah, that'll be the day. I wouldn't want lightning to strike your church. I'll never do that to you, preacher. He just kind of made a joke of it. And Grandpa was kind of feeling his way around the time when he could bring, bring the gospel right, right to him. Ben got cancer. It was an aggressive Radical cancer. It began to take him down quickly. My grandfather went to his bedside as he was dilapidating rather furiously. And he stood there and with my uncle. The two of them stood there and said, Ben, let me pray for you. And, and let, me, let, me, let me implore you, Ben, to give your life to God. Could you just repent and let me baptize you in his precious name? And, and Ben said, Reverend, you know me. He said, I, I, was, I was a sinner, and I've lived my life a certain way. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not worthy to now come groveling at the end of life when I, when I lived however I wanted to live. And now I'm going to come groveling to God. He said, I'm, I'm not that kind of person, and God could never, he could never save me now. And, and my grandfather began to try to reason with him, and he had his Bible in his hands. And, and when he, when he kind of, he did his hands like this, and his Bible fell out of his hands and fell to the floor. And my grandfather leaned down, and he picked up his Bible, and, and he opened it. And it opened to the gospel account of the servants who were working for the master. And at the 11th hour, <laughs> servants walked in at the 11th hour. 
and began to work for one hour left in the day and received the same wage as those who had been working for the full 12 hours. My grandfather said, Ben, you're the 11th hour servant and God has come to give you the same wage that he would give to somebody who gave their entire life to the Lord. It was so powerful a truth and it pricked Ben's heart. He began to weep. He repented of his sins and was baptized in his bathtub in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. About three or four weeks later, his sickness was very, very dire. About three or four weeks later, my grandfather was, was at home. It was late at night. He had just laid down to bed. His phone rang. He answered the phone. It was Ben's wife. That's not a good sign. The man that's on the verge of dying with cancer. And, and he, he knew a late night call can't be a good sign. And she said, Reverend Hershon. He said, yes, ma'am. She said, it's Ben. He said, I'm sorry. She said, well, well, I need you to help me because I don't know what's going on. He's sitting up in bed speaking some strange language. And I, I, don't, know what, I don't know what's happened. I'll tell you what's happened, ladies and gentlemen. At the 11th hour. At the 11th hour. At the 11th hour. The wicked departed from his wickedness and turned his heart to the Lord and the God of equity and God who is faithful, the God who is just, the God who is righteous, welcomed him in, filled him with his spirit. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, if you love him, praise him. If he's been good to you, praise him. Yes, he's a good God. Yes, he's a mighty God. Yes, he's a holy God. He's here right now with arms wide open. He's here right now with arms wide open. Oh, God, could we stand to our feet and lift our hands unto the Lord right now? Come on, stand to your feet with me and lift your hands unto the Lord right now. In the name of the Lord, 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 in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, lift up your hands and your voice and praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I'm opening these altars right now for anybody who wants to turn their heart to God at this moment in the name of Jesus. Don't let this moment pass you by. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter where you are in your walk with God. If you've never begun to walk with the Lord, I want somebody to come right now and say, Lord, hear my cry. Lord, hear my cry. Hear my cry. Hear my cry. You know, one of the most challenging parts about this time of the service 
And it is a very important time of the service. Somebody said preaching is the most important part. I understand that. I can agree with that. But I think even more important is when the word is received. And the hardest part about this moment is nobody wants to be the first. Nobody wants to be that one that says, I, I need, I need something. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask somebody who wants to thank God. I want you to come. Come on, I want you to thank God. And those, those who feel they've got wickedness to depart from, I want you just to mix in with the group. Come on. Come on, just blend in with the crowd. Because we're all, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every one of us are here because of the mercy of God. Come on, if you've got something in your spirit that needs to be brought before the Lord, lay it down to the Lord. Lay it down to the Lord. Lay it down to the Lord. Oh, Jesus. Oh, that's the Holy Ghost you feel. Come on, that's it. In the name of the Lord. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was done with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. For come to the altar. Come on, the Holy Ghost is doing it right now. The Holy Ghost is doing it right now. 